If you've got your Bible, we're going to start in the book of Genesis today, but I'm going to make a confession to you real quickly. Um, I have absolutely no clue of how the internet works. I mean, I know how to, I know how to use it. I mean, I mean, I can use it like anybody else can, but I don't know if you've thought about it. I don't know how it actually works. Like, I, I can sit at home on a laptop. The, the, the only plug that's in it is the one that's just giving power to it. And I can go to Amazon, and with a few clicks and typing in a few things, I can hit a button, and instantaneously, four states away, an Amazon warehouse gets an order and starts packing some boxes for me. Like, from, like I don't know if you ever thought, like, like that kind of blows my mind. This, this week, we had boot camp. Our, our new sixth graders were coming in, and, uh, and I had this experience. If you're a sixth grade parent of boys, God bless you. I had, I had six of them in my car, and we were going over the scavenger hunt. I, when we parked, I said, hey, selfie, and I took a picture and raised my eyes real big. For 30 minutes, they talked about mods, the netherworld, Diamond Dan. I don't, I don't know what any of that means. I, I mean, and they were all, da, 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 da. and apparently it's, it's Minecraft. A bunch of parents of sixth graders let me know, and I said, I have no clue. But we're going over there, so I take this picture on my phone. Again, it's not connected to anything, no, no wires or anything like that, and I post a picture and it immediately goes to the phones of, of all of the people that are following me on Instagram, or, or, or both people that are following me on Instagram. If you're not following me, you didn't get it. If you are, you did get it. And in my mind, I'm going, how did the internet work? How, how, with all of those things, does that happen? With all of the information that apparently is flying around the world and around us now, it all gets to the right place without a wire connecting it, 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 I, I'm on, it blows my mind. Got a, a new car this last week. If you didn't hear the story, it's a whole story for another, another day, but uh, I've always said I'd drive my car so the wheels fall off, and I did. All four of them fell off in a gigantic car fire. So, uh, I mean, they didn't really fall off. The firefighters had to kind of like knock the, the, the burnt rubber off, but I, I used to drive a trailblazer, and uh, so this is what the, the inside of my car looked like. And so I have, you know... CD player, because that's super helpful, um, you know, and buttons that you push for the six different radio stations, knobs for AC, things like that. And so I had an iPod, and my car was so old that I couldn't play my iPod with the stereo that came with it. And so I had something built in, but I was excited for the, the next time you know, when, the, when the, I did get a car and the, the wheels didn't burn off, because I thought, I'm just going to be easily plug my iPod in, get that aux cable. So I got a new car, it's a 2000, it's not new, new to me, it's 2013, and that's what the dash looks like. I've got like, I do have two knobs, but everything else is, is, a, is a computer. And now here's the thing. I got my iPod, and I was excited because now I have a car that's going to become built with, you know, I can plug the aux cable and listen to it. In the 10-year window, I, I, I missed the aux cord phase. Like, I, and I'm like looking for like, where, where do I plug it in at? I'm like, I can't figure it out. There's, there's USB ports in my car. And I'm like, I use USBs to transfer information from one computer to another. And I'm like, what am I going to do with that? And so I have missed like this whole window. So it's, it's all Bluetooth. So I get my phone. I, I do Bluetooth because of the headsets and stuff. But I, I put my phone in my car, sync it. Again, no wires connected. And, and I knew that it would... I'd get phone calls, and if you call me now, I can, like, you know, be a good Austin driver, and I don't have to cheat the system and pretend like I'm scratching my ear while I'm talking. I, I can talk to you and, and apparently be safer, but I also, like, got a text message, and I look, and not only did I get a text, like, 
all of my text messages on my phone were all pulled up on the screen of my car. And I'm sitting there going, how in the world? I've never, I, just, I got the phone close to it and synced it, and all of that information went back and forth. I'm, I, I do not understand how it works. It's like magic, right? I mean, I, but for some of us, sitting in this room even, this idea of, man, I don't understand how that works. That is this magical. We feel that way about God. We feel that way about our relationship with God. We come to a place like this. We come to, we come to church and we have some friends and, and they talk about a relationship with God. And if we were honest, we go, I don't, I don't get it because they, they talk like, like Jesus and them went to lunch last, last week. And I've never seen God. Or it might be prayer. Again, these, these great people of the faith, they go, oh, the Lord said this to me. And you're like, I, I have never heard the audible voice of God. And if you talk to them, they might go, I've never heard the audible voice of God too, but God speaking. I don't, some of us go, I mean, I don't get that. I don't, I don't understand how that works. How do you have this intimate relationship that you, that you talk about? And, and, and I'd even believe by looking at you that, that you actually believe you have a relationship with God. But how do you do that when you can't see him, you can't hear him, you can't touch him? You know, th- this idea of faith, I just need, I need a little bit more. And that, that is a very real feeling that a lot of people have. I want to give you this exam- analogy to help, help us move down the journey. So we have a, one of our small group ministers named Mike Jones, and he is, uh, I, I didn't really notice until this week, he's gotten really into astronomy, and he's got a telescope. And what I found it out is he took a picture, and I don't know if he gave it to me. Which ones did he give me? Okay, yeah, and you're not going to see it well. He, he's taken these pictures of the moon with his telescope, and this, Ryan, can you turn the lights on the stage? I, I don't know if, you may not be able to see this, but from this distance, and you can see it better online, he took a picture of Saturn. And he posted the picture, and you can't really see it here, but he posted a picture on Facebook, and you could see the rings of Saturn. And what caught me, okay, you can turn the slides back up, thanks. What caught me is he, he posted on Facebook, he was like, you know, these pictures are terrible. And I'm like, I can see the rings of Saturn. Like, like. And he said it was just so much better through the telescope. The, the, the photo kind of made it not look as, as good. Now, here's the thing. Up until that moment, I guess I could still say this, I have never seen Saturn. Never seen it. I can go to his house right now, that, well, not now because it's during the day, but I go to his house tonight and I can look through a telescope and I could see Saturn with my own eyes. Now, he's done it. I'm assuming he's probably never seen Pluto. Is Pluto back as a planet now? No, it's not. It's a sh- we need to start one of those change.com things. We need to bring Pluto back into the fold. Um, our kids are missing out on, on learning their planets. He's probably never seen Pluto. But it doesn't mean it's not there. It doesn't mean that he shakes his head and goes, well, I haven't seen it, so it doesn't exist. What, what's happened is other people have seen it. And we've got the pictures of it in National Geographic and encyclopedias, and we can Google. And, and other, other telescopes and other people have seen it. So we go, because of their experience... I do believe it's there, even though I've never seen it with my own eyes. And part of this faith journey is us in that area. If you're at the point where you're going, man, I've never seen God. I haven't heard God. I want to. But other people have had this experience that is real and dynamic, and I can tell that. And so because of that, I'm going to step, step forward in some faith and pursue it also. Astronomers tell us right now, that from what they're learning, that 95% of the universe is made up of what they're calling dark matter and dark energy. Sounds like a superhero thing. They can't see it, but they believe it's there. And what it's doing is it's causing them 
to chase after it and pursue it. So if you come in this morning, and maybe you're trying to parent, and you're here because your kids are down in the youth ministry, and so I'm going to come and see what this is all about. Or, or, or maybe you've been just in a place where you go, man, I, I have doubts a lot. I, I can't see God, and that, that challenges me. I, I haven't heard God like all these other people talk about, and that challenges me. Or maybe you are a believer, you're a follower of Jesus, but you have some, some doubts along the way. I want you to know three things real quick. One, you're not alone. You're not alone at all. There's a lot of people in this room that have doubts from time to time. Certainly, outside of this room, there's a lot of people that doubt. Second thing you need to know is God is not mad at you because you're not maybe fully in or you're still questioning or you're still wrestling through doubts. God is not up in heaven like with a lightning bolt and going, yeah, you want some proof? Just ask one more time. You know, that, God, God's madly in love with you. you. You don't have to worry about angering God as you pursue things. But here's what, what you do need to do. The third thing is because those evidences are out there and they have been presented to us, we need to pursue them to know them better. They're out there. If you're an astronomer and you were, you were taken by, uh, by, by the created order and you went, man, I, I'm an astronomer. I, I love space. And somebody went, hey, we think we've discovered another planet in our solar system. You wouldn't go, huh, cool. You'd go, I got to go, know more. I got to see it. I got to find out about it. And, and so that is the same thing when it comes to the spiritual work God is, is, is calling you to do as these evidences that other people have lived through, that they are called to us to go, man, I want to know God in that way. I want to I know how that person has an a, a intimate relationship with God that has changed in their life and their family. I want that too. And the scripture is going to give us some clues along the way of how that can happen. So I want you to flip over to Genesis chapter one for a second. If you're not sure where Genesis is, it's, this one is going to be easy. It's at the very front. First book. I'm going to make it easy even for you. You're going to go to chapter one. You don't have to dig through it. If you can, it's right after table of contents. You don't even need the table of contents to find it. Genesis chapter one. Just open up the cover. It's going to be the first thing. Genesis chapter one, verse one. I mean, you cannot pick an easier verse to find. Genesis 1, one says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, we go through the rest of Genesis chapter 1, and, and we're going we're gonna to see how God created light and darkness and, and land and water and animals. And near the end, he's going to create man. And the story is given to us of how that happens. And then what we've done, people who have read the Scripture, maybe people who are following Jesus, we've spent a lot of time trying to figure that all out. And we're like, okay, well, God created the earth in six days, and he rested on the seventh. Was that six literal days? And, it, and it's vexed us, and it's perplexed us, and we've gone, I don't know, because it just seems odd that in 24 hours God made all of the animals, and I don't know what science says about that. And then, and then other people, that they like know the Bible better than us. They come, and they go, well, you know, the word for yom, uh, the word for day in the Hebrew is yom, and that means a 24-hour period everywhere it's used in Genesis. And in Genesis chapter 1, uh, the word for God created in a day is yom, and so Scripture says it's 24 hours. And we go, well, what? Okay, that's interesting. And then we have a friend who's also a believer, but they, they love science, and they go, listen, the earth is millions and billions of years old, and, and when the Scripture says that God created in the first day, that's just, that's just, it's periods of time, it's eras and things like that. And, and we get back and forth, and we start arguing. If you're caught in the middle, you go, that makes perfect sense. I'm with him. And you go, oh, that makes perfect sense. I'm with him. Boy, and we, we go, I don't know, and we just throw our hands in there. Here's what I want you to know. It's not unhealthy to debate those things. It's great. That's pursuing knowledge. But that's not the purpose for why God gave us Genesis 1-1. 
It's not the, the, the reason God gave us the, the creation account for us as believers to get into debates of the hows. It was given to us to tell us this. God purposely created the earth, and he wired it to function the way that it does. It wasn't, it wasn't given to us to think through the hows. It was given to us to think through the whos. It's not how it works, but who did it. And so that's what the scripture is giving. It wasn't meant to be a science textbook. God's saying, listen, I created and I wired the world in such a way that it functions, and it functions very well until sin comes into the picture in a few chapters later, and the world begins to break down. But God wired it in a way that works. And then we, we fast forward to Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Look down a few verses. It's the last day of creation. It says, so God created man. He created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And what we discover in Genesis 1.27 is not only did God wire the world, Genesis 1.1, to function a certain way, but God wired us and he stamped us in the image of him. We have been created with commonalities with God. We're not, now, we're not going to become God. We cannot be self-actualized enough to become God. But we are created in his image. There's some things about God that, that, that are stamped on our life that nothing else in the created order has. In fact, God looked at all of creation. He went, man, it is good. Light and darkness, good. Hippopotamus, good. Trees, good. Man, woman, very good. Because they have been created in my image. They've been created in my likeness. And because of that, what we discover is that the image of God is actually, images of God is, are actually around us all the time. If you've ever, if you've ever st- stepped outside and seen a sunset, and the sun was coming down and was reflecting off the clouds, and, and there was some, some, some uh, deep hues of maybe some purple, you know God exists because there's some burnt orange in there, uh, some reds and yellows, and... and Maroons, I'm sure. <laughs> Baylor, I don't know about greens. Golds, maybe, okay. And, and you had one of those experiences where you look at that sunset and you're just, you're just stopped with beauty. Do you know that's not a Christian thing? That's a human thing? And you know why that is? It's because God is creator. That is who he is. And he is creative. And because we have been marked in his image, when the creation that he made sits in front of us, there's a part of us because we're creating his image that stops and goes, whew, that's beautiful. Or you stepped out onto a beach. Maybe you went this summer and the, and the ocean was there and, and, and you just had this feeling of, man, that goes on and on and on and on. And you look at the sand, and you go, golly, there's so much of this. We went leadership retreat this year. We had some of the guys. We were out in the, at, at uh, Port Royal at the coast. One of our guys went out, and I am not kidding you, two trips out, went about waist deep. And I didn't even know you could do this. He starts moving his feet around and pulls up, not exaggerating, over 70 hermit crabs. And I'm sitting there going, you guys, there's like three of them. You guys pulled 70 hermit crabs from the ocean floor in an area that's about as wide as three people. How many hermit crabs are out there? And my mind goes, wow. But the creator did that. You go to the mountains and you climb a a peak with your family and you get up there and you're breathing that thin air and you look out and you see everything and you just go, man, God is big. I'm so insignificant. And, And you connect with him or even an unbeliever goes, man, my breath has been taken away because they were created in the image of God. 17 years ago today, 
I had the privilege of marrying my wife. We're celebrating our anniversary. Well, we're not celebrating yet. We've been doing boot camp. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll do something next weekend. After our wedding, we went to Cancun for our honeymoon, and we did one of these things. It's called the underwater bob, the breathing observation bubble. Now, let me tell you this. So if, if some of you know me, you know I, I, the ocean and I are not friends. Like, I love being on a boat. Love it. Love being on the beach. I do not love being in the area of the created order in which God's created sharks live. I, don't, that's, I feel like they don't come into my home. I shouldn't go into theirs. Like, I'm not real comfortable. So, but we do this, this underwater Bob breathing observation bubble. And so what it is is we get on this boat and we go out. We, you can't see land where we're at. So, I mean, it's just ocean all around. And they start throwing these things out into the water. And this is what they tell you. You're gonna, you, don't, you don't wear a life vest. You're going you're gonna to jump in go under the water, and you're going to put your head up into this bubble, and then you're going to sit down on this little motorcycle. And it's called the breathing observation bubble because when you, when you put your head up, it blows oxygen in so you can breathe. But there is not like anything to latch around your neck to keep, like, like, to keep the water out. What keeps the water out is it blows oxygen in. That does not sound safe to me. But we're on this boat we're nowhere near land, and they start throwing them out there, and they're explaining to us what you're going to do. You're going to dive into the ocean. Like, no, thank you. Um, you're going to go under the water. No, thank you again. And you're going to put your head up into this bubble that just blows air if it works, and we're going to sink you to the bottom of the ocean floor. No, thank you, no, thank you, and no, thank you. But I'm not staying on the boat all by myself, right? That's, that's, that's as bad. And so, I mean, I am like, I'm nervous. I'm scared. I mean, literally. And so I, I jump in. I get in. I put this get on, and they, 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 they sink you. And then, and then just to make you feel safe, two divers go down with you just in case. Like, I don't want anything that has a just in case at the bottom of the ocean floor. And we have an extra breathing observation bubble in case yours stops working. Oh, wonderful. I get down on the bottom of the ocean floor. I am very uncomfortable at this moment. There's like nine of us, 10 of us down there. We got some divers down. They've told us how to do it. You're going to, you push the button and it makes you go forward. And then you just steer and, and follow us along, follow the divers, follow the line, you'll be fine. We go to the bottom of the ocean floor. I've got my hands on the steering wheel and everybody starts going, following the diver to the right and my steering wheel won't turn. And I'm like, perfect. It, absolutely is how I expected to die. This, I should have never done this. And I am like, I am, I'm like, I'm like, I'm pulling hard and I'm trying to lever. And I'm like, you know, and I'm watching them leave me on the bottom of the ocean floor. And I'm like, well, maybe, uh, maybe you just have to hit the gas to make a turn. So I hit the gas and I go forward. They're going that way. I'm like, no, 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 no. And I'm like, what am I going to do? And then maybe it was the spirit of God. I don't know. But maybe God just leaned in and went, hey, stupid, push it. Don't turn it. Put, and I, oh, there we go. Okay, now we're in business. And so, I mean, but at that point, like, my heart's racing. I'm just glad to be on the ocean floor because nobody knew I'd peed my pants. I mean, like, I, I like, and, and so I get up, catch up to everybody else, and I, I'm still uncomfortable. And then the diver gets out and kind of in front of us. He gets everybody in line. I, I kind of come to the end. And he reaches into his, like, vest or something, pulls out some bread, and in front of everybody's breathing observation bubble. He lets all this bread go in this cavalcade of tropical fish. And I'm like, whoa. It was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. And it gave me the opportunity to pause for a second because I was, uh, the colors. And you're going to look around on the bottom of this ocean floor. 
that goes on from every direction from where you can see. And you realize there's a whole other world that's been created down here. And you have this moment that you go, man, I am so insignificant and God is so big. And it's this worshipful moment that connects you to him because you're wired like he's wired. That's why my phone, when it gets into my car, even though there's no wires to connect, they share some common pieces that allow them to function together. I can't take my phone up to a brick and go, let me get my text messages there. They're not created in the same way. We've been created in the image of God. We have his wiring, and the images of God are all around us. Flip over to Deuteronomy chapter six. It's gonna be a few books to your right. And I want you to see something about how we respond. As you're getting there, it's not just creation. Again, it's not just a, a I follow Jesus or I don't follow Jesus thing. You know why we're drawn to stories about firefighters who heroically rush in to save people? Because we're wired like God's wired. And God is a God of salvation. And those stories resonate with us. You know why we get emotional when we, we load up the YouTube video and we see the little kid in school and the dad who's been far away, he's been off to Afghanistan, he's been off to the war, and he comes in, he surprises his kid, and they yell, Dad! And they run to him and they hug, and, and we call our spouse, and we're like, you gotta watch this, I'm like crying. You know? And we, we have this emotional response because we're wired to be reconciled to the Father, we're created in his image. That's why when, 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 when we see people run to a tragedy to help, we're spurred to move because we're wired in the image of God. It's not, it's not a, a Christian thing or a non-Christian thing. It's a, it's a human thing because we're cre- humans are created in the image of God. It's not just creation, but all of these different experiences, whether it be reconciliation or you watch a movie like Unbroken whose theme is forgiveness and it draws you in and you go, man, I love that movie. It's because you're created in the image of God and and he's a God who forgives. And you, and you have this God moment because you've been wired like he's been wired. You've been created as image. And when the images of God that are all around us that we so often take for granted connect with us, we have a moment that is meant to, it doesn't always do this, but is meant to draw us into worship. It's meant to draw us to love God. In Deuteronomy chapter six, another famous verse we, we talk about a lot in here. I use it a lot because it talks about parenting. But Moses is talking to the Israelites. The Israelites who've known about creation, they've been raised to understand it, they've been raised to know the Adam and Eve story, they know they've been created in the image of God. And here's what Moses says in Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. He says, you know, Israel, you know you're created in the image of God. Here's what you do in response to that. You love him with your heart and your soul and your strength. Everything that you do is to be this response to love God better. So here's what I want to give you this week and talk with your students about too. I want to give you some, some handlebars to grip, some that turn better than my Bob did, some things that you can, you can do to move forward. Here's the first thing I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you sometime this week in, in the busyness of getting kids back to school and, and a routine settling in, find some time to put yourself into creation. That may be just going into your backyard one night with a cup of coffee and sitting down and looking at the stars. 
It may be what my family did the other day. I mean, I mean we had to go right now, probably. The other day in like uh, rain day number 74, we drove down to the San Gabriel at, at the park just to watch that river flow. And what happens is, is when, you, when you see things like that, if you, if, if you cue your mind to start thinking about what you're seeing, you're not just seeing a river, you're seeing a powerful river who's made by a powerful God. And when you have that awe of, oh my goodness, look at that, it should push us to go, oh my goodness, look at him. Because that is a powerful river that was made by a powerful God. It's the purpose of creation, to point us back to God and who he is, to say, hey, I'm here. Hey, here's a moment for you to worship. Hey, here's a moment for you to lean in, and here's a moment to, to have a conversation with me about the power that I can have in your life like this river is in your community. And so you go out and you look at the stars for a moment, and you think about, if you get a clear night, how many are up there. And you have this moment of, God, you are so big. I, I can't imagine that space, the universe, goes on and on and on and on with no end is what we're told. And God, like that, I also can't, I can't understand how eternity, when I move from this life to the next, goes on and on and on. God, I can't understand that, but I'm so thankful to you that my eternity that goes on and on and on will be in heaven with you because of Jesus Christ, my decision to follow him. That, there's those moments that move us into that. And so I want to challenge you just to do something, maybe with your family, to go and, and, and not just go up, cool river, but have that discussion. Have, take, take a moment. You don't have to take 30 minutes. Take a moment to allow creation to connect you to the creator because you're wired like he's wired. Does that make sense? I mean, that, that's something that we can, we can all do. Here's the second thing I want to encourage you to do. This is a little bit harder. But write down, phone, sheet of paper, write down some ways that you see God this way this week. Write down some ways that you hear God. Write down, I mean, I, went, I, I had a worship moment when I looked at the stars. I, maybe it's, you, you're watching TV, and a TV show, something happens in the TV show, like I talked a minute ago, and it, it emotionally impacts you. There was a TV show several years ago, very few people heard about it. It's called Flashpoint. It was like a Canadian show, which, I mean, if it's from Canada, I wouldn't even assume it had been good, like, you know, but it was. It was fantastic. It was like this SWAT show, and like, I found myself like, Every other episode, like crying, like during the show. And my wife would be like, what, do you, what, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, I don't know. But it was these themes in the show of, of forgiveness, these themes in the show of unconditional love. They were these, these, these characteristics of God that the screenwriters had written into the show. And, and because I was creating this image, I was resonating with them. And when you have that moment, write it down. Man, I was moved by forgiveness in this T-shirt. I was moved by unconditional love. I was moved by compassion. You go and do something good for somebody this week. You, you bless somebody, you bring somebody at work, coffee or something, like that, and you feel good about that because you, you ministered to somebody? Write that down. Man, I, I felt good. I connected with God because I was creating, because God is a giver. And we give, we, we feel good because we're made to do that. And start writing those things down. And here's the, at the end of the week, if you're not really good at this, you might have like two or three things. And you might go, oh, man, I'm terrible at following Jesus. No, you're just terrible at recognizing it at this point. I mean, you're not used to writing down. It's a, that's a skill that kind of grows as, as you start to look. But what's going to happen, if you'll continue that practice, maybe you only get two or three, and you go, I'm going to try it next week, or I'm going to try it over the next three weeks or for a month. What you're going to do is you're listening to go from three to six and from six to 12 and from 12 to, to 50 because you're going to start training yourself to see the images of God that are all around you. 
And when you see them, if you use them to spur you into loving him, you'll start to see and hear and experience God like the people around you. Paul David Tripp, who's an author and counselor, tells a story about when he took his son to Washington, D.C. And one of the things they were doing is they were going into some of these world-renowned art galleries. And he was just super excited about it, but his teenage boy couldn't have been less thrilled about going into an art gallery. And they go in, and he's excited, and he's seeing these great paintings, and his son has just got his arms folded. And, and every time they walk into a new room to where some other exhibits are, I mean, his son, instead of being spurred by something that he's seen that's this beautiful painting, the son just goes, can we leave? This is boring. This is terrible. And Paul David Tripp said this. He said, we stood in the middle of wonders, and he was bored out of his mind. His eyes worked well, but his heart was stone blind. He saw everything, and he saw nothing. Good. My prayer for you and for your families, and I hope you will adopt this prayer this week as well, is that with the images of God all around us that are built for us to connect to, because we're wired like he is, to force us into, to push us into loving him with all our heart, soul, and mind, Jeremiah 6, 4 that we would not see everything and see nothing. Let's pray, and then we'll talk about this inside our small groups. Father, this week, I pray that you would bombard us with the images of you all around us, that we'd see themes in television, that we would see you in conversations, that as we go to your word and as we study your word and we find out about you, that we would see those characteristics and the things around us that you've created. And God, when we see those things, call us to love you better, to spend some time with you, to talk with you for a brief few moments about what we saw or what we experienced that is from you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.